first of all, <laughs> I want to honor the pastoral staff. You guys are awesome watching you operate the way you operate. There's no who's who, who's up, who's down, who's the highest. It's just a cohesive team. And uh, you don't find that in very many churches. Um, Joshua team, the way you minister, Professor Seckler, boy, you shot me straight through the middle of the forehead Wednesday night. So I appreciate you for that message. Um, I want to honor, I'm so nervous, Pastor and First Lady Moore and Pastor and First Lady Barlow for doing what they do. I know it's not easy. I know Tampa's not easy. Um, so I want to honor them. And I want to honor my bishop, the apostle. And if you have a problem with that, read your word. He gave apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists. So I want to honor my first lady. There's, I've never met a pastor's wife quite like her, the spirit that's on her. I might embarrass my girls for a minute, but I won't name them. But so my mother-in-law. She's one of the most beautiful people you'll ever meet. One of the most godly Christian women you'll ever meet. She's she's the best. And um, so one day, Sister Jackson walked up to one of my daughters and hugged them. And they walked away, and she walked away. And I was like, you know, I was like, isn't she just the best? And she was like, yeah. When she hugs me, it feels like Lola hugs me. And that's a testament to, to you. Sister Hannah, who's not here, we honor you and your ministry and what's to come in your ministry. And Pastor Ruth, I ain't going to look at you much, but I appreciate you. I love you, everything you do. My husband, who has kept me semi-sane through all this, and my girls, I apologize for what y'all had to do with the past few days. Um, but anyhow, so past that, we are going to get into the Word. I'm going to read two verses to start. They're going to be two different books of the Bible. We're going to start in Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13. And then we are going to go to Ezekiel 16, 22. Um, I've struggled with this knowing that, you know, there was a time that was going to come that I was going to minister. I feel like God's placed this on my heart for over a year now. Um, Struggled with it, struggled with it. It's it's not an easy message. Um, But I was driving somewhere the other day and a song came on in the car and I put on my nice Spanish old music, Jesus Adrian Romero, Pandora, and um, that's my prayer music. So was listening to it or whatever, and the song comes on called Iglesia. And the whole point of it is is, is God talking to the people and how they've begun to stray, how they've begun to ca- caught up in TV shows, this, that. They know more about whatever than they do the word of God. And so I was like, okay, God, maybe, maybe, maybe this is what I'm supposed to do. So go do what I'm doing, driving home, listening, crying, because I'm nervous, not because I'm praying and um it comes on again and if you use pandora you know it typically two songs don't play in the same hour but it did so it's like okay here we go so first is isaiah 29 29 13 second will be ezekiel 16 verse 22 and i hope tonight i am preaching to the choir this is this is something that i've examined myself and i'm nowhere near perfect still still learning i've preached myself till five o'clock in the morning every night this week um but i'm hoping that as somebody that has come not grown up here um i can kind of give you an outside perspective so isaiah 29 13 wherefore the lord said for as much as this people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me, 
and their fear toward men is taught by the precept or commandment of men. Moving to Ezekiel 16:22, and in all thine abominations, sorry, y'all are still turning. My back, pages turning. Now I know what bishop means. And in all thine abominations and thy whoredoms, thou hast not remembered the days of thy youth, when thou wast naked and bare, and wast polluted or tread down in thy blood. Um, Bishop, do you pray if you can, you know, invoke the Holy Ghost, create an altar, no preaching, no, you know, that'd be awesome. In the name of Jesus, your presence is already manifest here. Your hand is upon your female servant. I'm asking God that the word would go forth with liberty and power, demonstration and manifestation. I'm asking God the words that come from her lips tonight, God, will fall on good ground. God, let your word produce what you purpose in this place today. I take authority over any distractions, any hindrance. And God, I thank you ahead of time for the word being grafted in our spirit tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Man, I was doing good when my mouth's all dry. All right. So in these first two verses, to kind of give you the background of what's going on in both of them, we're dealing with Israel, who's become very comfortable, very complacent with where they're at, and they've forgotten everything that God has done. And they begin to rely on themselves instead of God. Time and time again, Israel's had a tendency to forget all that God has done. We see that when they were released from Egypt, they began, once they were out and across the Red Sea and in the desert, they began to long for the comfort of Egypt. They, they preferred what Egypt provided over what their God provided. They preferred to think they could provide for themselves better than God could. They wanted their own control over their future. So in all this, I'm going to kind of hit two categories. And the first one I want to hit is young people that have been raised in this church or raised in church and never really had a taste of the world, never really known um, the world per se. Um, I am one of those. I was raised in church from the time I was one years old up. It's all I knew. And to be honest, I never really got a hold of God like I have until I came under our bishop and under the pastoral staff that we have. Um, and kind of, I'm going to take a little segue off of that. Um, I think it's very easy once you've sat under someone so long or one, when you've been maybe raised with Pastor Jackson, Bishop Jackson, before he was promoted as pastor, Sister Ruth Jackson, Pastor Ruth Jackson, um, I think you can get very comfortable um, and you don't reverence them as they should be reverenced. You can look at them as a friend. You can look at them as a buddy. Um, and that shouldn't be the case. And I think we can take for granted, once we've been with someone so long, we can begin to take them for granted. Um, for example, not me, of course, but when you first get married, it's infatuation, it's this, it's that, it's love notes, it's flowers, it's, you know, all that fun stuff. And then you begin to get comfortable. And so many marriages end in divorce because they got comfortable. They got complacent. They got just, you know, okay, this guy, but not my husband, of course. Though he doesn't get me flowers, but I prefer food. So, and with that being said, going to Mark, 
Mark chapter 6, verse 4, um, it says, But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house. And it goes on to say how he couldn't complete the miracles that he wanted to because of their unbelief, because they knew him. They were comfortable with him. They grew up with him. Who's Jesus? Who's this carpenter? Um, and along those lines, maybe God wants to use you. Maybe God has such a ministry for you that your mind would be blown, but you can't get behind Bishop because you've become comfortable under his ministry. And I don't say that harshly. I just, coming from the outside looking in, and I hope, well, you know what I do hope to make him uncomfortable because he's making me uncomfortable. Um, but I just, I've seen so many pastors. None of them, there is not a man. And I've rubbed shoulders with a lot of big names. There is not a man that I've ever met that has the heart of our bishop, that has the heartbeat, the love for God, the love for people. I've never seen somebody so sensitive to their flock, to their people. When they're hurting, he hurts. It's not just something he says. And I think it's very easy when you sit there and you see it and you see it, and maybe he's not looking your direction at that moment. So you start to get that little seed. and. Um, we can't take him for granted. We cannot take the pastoral staff for granted. Um, so that's my little side note. So moving back to the to the young people, um, I think it's very easy to go through the motions. You're doing it because your parents say so. Um, you never really tap in. And though I don't quite understand when you're sitting under bishop how that could quite happen, but on the flip side, again, when you're raised in it, you become comfortable. You become complacent. Complacent means pleased, especially with oneself, often without awareness of some potential danger. And uh, young people, there's there's a young man in particular. I said if God brought him to my mind, I'm not going to say his name. But you better watch out. The devil wants your soul. And you've got potential beyond what you can imagine. But I've watched you from the piano and tears because your your heart's not in it. You're not even trying, and you don't realize what you have. And I think God is very forgiving, and I think you could stray, and maybe God will show you grace, but you might wind up with scars that you didn't have to wind up with. God's grace covers, God's blood covers, but there's still going to be scars. There's going to be memories. There's going to be things that you can't redo, and there's there's a price you have to pay for your actions. And I am, I am pleading with you. I wasn't raised under what you guys were raised under. In fact, I was told I couldn't play drums because I was a woman. I was encouraged to find another instrument. Um, you guys have a shepherd. And don't lose that, please. I'm pleading with you tonight. I'm not, well, yeah, I am far off from being an old person. But just hear this crazy girl tonight. You've got a good shepherd. Cling to him. Cling to God. Find God for yourself, not what your parents teach you, if they're even teaching you, but not just what you hear. Go home and get in it to your, in in the Word for yourself. I never did that, and I regret that, and I did some stupid things. And thankfully, by the grace of God, I'm here. So that's for the young people. Moving to those who have been here for a while. Um, you know, I I'm. I like to watch people. I like psychology. Um, I just weird like that. And so I'll, I'll look around, and some of it's psychology and some of it's God. But I can see people 
that are going through the motions. That are, and it's not the majority. This church is incredible. And by the way, I honor you. Y'all have taken us in. You've loved us. You've brought meals. You've given gifts when Lincoln was born. You've brought food when I had surgery. You guys are the best church body. And I don't say that with any hesitation. Um, but there are some that you talk the talk. You walk the walk. You know when to clap. You know when to back up the pastor to make it look like you're really behind the pastor. You or ministry, whoever's speaking. Um, so I'm dying. So, with that being said, along those lines of getting comfortable, becoming complacent, we we start to get good at knowing what buttons to press, what traditions to use to elicit a manufactured or fabricated move of God. Fabricated being fake or forged. This whole time, you know, I'd, I'd been dealing with complacency in my head, and manufactured kept coming to mind, and I looked at manufactured, and I mean, you can manufacture an original item. So I was like, well, that's not, you know, the word quite the word I wanted. Then I'm thinking replication, but I'm like, nah, that's DNA. So we go, that God brought to my mind fabricated, and it's it's a forgery. And if you're not careful, your walk with God will be a forgery. It'll be a fake. And you might get to a point where you don't even realize it. And that's the scary part. I've seen it happen so many times. And eventually, your spirit can't hide itself anymore, and you get uncomfortable on the pew, and eventually you leave. And we've had that lately. And uh, to those that have left, we have a good shepherd. And it is your fault that you can't acknowledge that. And I think it's a testament to when all you can post is a bunch of quotes from so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so, but you can't bring out any Bible to back up your leaving I think that tells in itself. And I say that with love. There's people that have left that I loved. I enjoy being around to a degree. And I can guarantee you this. If you were to come back truly repentant, our bishop would be happy for you to come back. But you better watch yourself because some of your marriages aren't going aren't gonna to hold. And I don't say that lightly. I don't say that. Um, I don't take pleasure in that. Um, but it is a warning if you're watching. I, that would make things right before it's too late. But going back, I'm all over the place, and I apologize for that. Um, going back to this whole, you know, manufactured, fabricated move of God, we we begin to rely in Pentecost in general, and we see it, and I thank God for God bringing us here, putting us under a bishop that has opened my eyes to... It's taken a lot in me being here to strip down what I learned and strip down what I was comfortable with and the programs and the way things were done and what I was used to. It's uncomfortable. I'd I'd be lying if I said it wasn't. But when you start to get into your word, you realize, if you really do and you go with an open heart, you realize that what Bishop's doing is right and what's going on in a lot of Pentecostal churches is not. Uh, they We've gotten to a point where we implement a ton of structure programs, traditions, and we get so caught up in those and and we think we're having a move of God because it can be fabricated, but we're really not. Um, I was, my kids were watching a video about a dog and it was like on the credits or whatever and, and uh, 
the, the producer was talking about how, you know, they studied music and, and they realized that psychologically there's a big tie from music to emotion and how they made sure to play during the sad parts. They would play music that tied into that and during the happy and they, you know, pull your emotions based on music. And if a stinking producer knows that, you better believe these hypocrites on a platform know that. Not on our platform. But, and so we know what songs to sing that'll elicit a shout. We know what soft songs to sing that's going to make people cry. And, and we get caught up in it and we think we're okay and we're not. And again, I've been there. I don't say this out of malice. I don't say this out of self-righteousness. I'm still examining myself. There's stuff daily that I have to deal with, but it's, it's taking Pentecost rampant and more so in these last days. Um, and so with that getting all caught up in our programs and we're at the church every day and we're doing this and we're doing that and, and we begin to, Hey, I must be safe because I'm doing this. I'm running this. I'm running this bus route. I'm singing here. I'm running Sunday school. I'm doing this. I'm doing that prison ministry, whatever. And I'm not saying some of those things are bad, but we begin to get so caught up that we think we're our own salvation. And then, then it gets to a point that it's, it's God, you need me. I don't need you. I'm doing this. And we begin to get caught up in, in thinking it's God who needs us instead of we need God daily. And what we have here is that these people don't take it lightly. And we might not have the prettiest, well, we do, but prettiest sermons and, and, you know, the, the, I won't name any big conferences, but big conference, you know, sermons. And again, I'm not saying all of them are like this, but a lot of them know at that point. First of all, they're invited because they know they'll draw a crowd. Second of all, they come and they know what to say. They know what will elicit reaction. But none of it, at the core of it, none of it is, hey, you need to examine yourself. It's all, let's shout, let's have prosperity, let's love everybody, and move on. And it's just, it's overcoming Pentecost. And so, with all that being said, Sister Marie Brown, you'll have a lot of time. Um, I am thankful, and I'm here to plead with you guys, again, not the majority, we have the best church body, we have the best bishop, the best prophet, seer, prophetess, Pastor Ruth, Reverend and Sister Hildebrand, the, the Sandoval, I mean, we have the best, and please, I am begging, don't take it for granted, don't let a seed of discord get sowed in your heart, don't, I just don't take it for granted. Get in the word. If you have a problem, get in the word. If you think something's off, get in the word. Don't take it at face value. We have a bishop that'll tell you, go home and study it for yourself. I, I didn't grow up like that. I was growing, this is the law. This is what we believe. It wasn't, hey, go figure it out. Go study it. It was just point blank. And I'm thankful for the way I was raised. And I'm not saying that with any malice. But we have a good church. We have a good God. And so I'm just here to plead with you guys from somebody that's only been here a few years. Please don't take it. Sister Brown. You can be seated. I, 
I, I pray. Come on up, Sister Brown. I, I pray that we grasp everything that was said. And she, she's, she says some things tonight. And that young person, you felt it. And that's the gifting that God has given her. She can discern and read. <laughs> now when you get around and you're going to be pleading the blood and everything. 